Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we will be discussing an article titled Planning for a Potentially Short Hay Inventory on the Ranch. To discuss the article, I'm joined today by the co-author, Troy Walls, who's an Extension Educator based in Custer County. Thanks for joining me today, Troy. Not a problem. I'm glad to talk about this. I think it's going to be important for producers to be thinking forward about having a short hay supply this winter. So this is our topic today, dealing with a potentially short hay supply. And when we look at this spring and early summer, tremendous amounts of precip across Nebraska, and in many cases also pretty cold conditions as we went through the spring. And that resulted in many first cuttings of alfalfa being delayed and hearing reports from producers that both quality and quantity from that first cutting alfalfa was reduced. Also, in many cases, folks in the sand hills are looking towards starting to put a pay on their wet meadows, and in some cases, so much water there that their area they normally would cut is underwater, and so going to be seeing a reduction in the amount of acres they can harvest for hay from those hay meadows. Troy, as we think about that scenario as we look towards this fall and winter, what are some things producers can be thinking about now to prepare themselves if they think they're going to be in a situation where they're going to have a short hay inventory? Yes, as as we think about this, this is kind of something we actually really need to have a plan for every year because we don't know if we're going to have not enough forage, whether that's caused by too much moisture, which is, seems hard to believe, but also if we've had a dry summer or something and don't don't have as much hay production. But the other thing we have to think about, I guess, is we had a very tough winter last winter and a lot of our quote, extra hay that maybe somebody would have got fed up. So we don't have a surplus of hay. So we need to be thinking about if we're going to have a short hay supply, how are we going to reduce the demand for forage that we're going to have this fall and winter? So if we think about weaning our calves, maybe we'll think about getting them off the ranch sooner. Maybe we're not going to background them as long so we could early ship those calves. Also, if we do some preg checking, of our yearling heifers and our cows. And if we find some cows that are open and if we can get those off the ramps, that is going to help reduce our forage demands that we're going to have this winter. And if we do sell any of our animals earlier than what we typically do, we need to be thinking about talking to our tax accountant, how to defer any of this income. And of course it's due to weather conditions for us forcing to sell these this year in 2019. Yeah, we had Tina Barrett on from the Nebraska Farm Business Incorporated earlier here, and she talked about potentially that being a tool for producers. So she would encourage if you're thinking about having to change when your income happens, visit with your accountant and see what your options are to deal with that. Troy, as we think about some annual forages, we're sitting here now mid-July, and of course the big news has been the prevent plant acres were opened up so that they can be harvested in September or after September 1. So both folks who have those acres, maybe there's an opportunity to partner with the farmer to graze or harvest hay or other silage from some of those prevent plant acres to fill this hay shortage. And then also thinking about maybe we're going to have a scenario where we have wheat that's going to be harvested where we could go back and plant sometime here in July, maybe a summer annual. If we got to the 1st of August, maybe something like a spring annual like oats, triticale, or a barley. So those are some options from an annual forage perspective that that sure could be something folks should consider. Yes, like you said, here in July, by the end of July, it'll 
it's probably be too late to plant those annual forages. So look at brassicas or oats, spring triticale. And with that, you can also throw in some rye or some just regular triticale or wheat even, winter wheat. And that would, of course, not get you grazing this fall, but next spring that could get you some grazing also to maybe help extend that forage a little bit into next spring for you if you're needing that. And of course, anytime you go to plant these, I just want to remind people to make sure you have tested the soil so you get the right fertility on that so you can produce a good crop. I think that's a really good point, especially in light of many cases, there's plenty of moisture available. So using that with a good fertility program can maximize your production of forage. As we think about trying to secure other feed resources, what are some things that folks might want to creatively think about to look at other options besides growing their own? Of course, here in Nebraska, one thing we always think of as a residue that we can graze is corn residue. And usually we haven't had to worry about where we're at because we can pretty much always ship our cattle where we need to within the state. But with some of the flooding that we've had early in the spring and also just continued flooding throughout the summer, maybe we're not going to be able to get trucks over the road. So that might be a consideration we have to think about. So we might need to be thinking about how are we going to get forages or other feeds into our ranch? Are we going to have to move our cows without out trucks, like do a cattle drive to get them where we need to go, I guess. And we could also think about ammoniating residues, whether it's wheat straw or corn stalks. And of course, when we ammoniate those residues, it increases the digestibility. So they're a little higher in energy and also increases the protein content also. So those are some considerations we can think about. And then, of course, we always can consider buying hay from someplace else and bringing that onto the ranch also. And we always use caution whenever we purchase hay because we don't want to start bringing in any type of noxious weed that's going to cause us problems later on. As we sit here midsummer, sometimes historically, this is a time of year when there has been at times the opportunity to purchase co-products like distiller's grains. Give your perspective, Troy, on how that might be an important feed resource as we consider the possible scenario of being short on hay as we move into the fall and winter. Anytime we're kind of short on hay, one way we can hopefully help meet our cows' requirements is by to be able to feed them an energy-dense feed. And of course, here in Nebraska, we always think about distiller's grains, whether that's a, a wet product or a dry product. And typically in the summer, you can get that contracted for a little better price. But if everybody is starting to think that they're going to need to be purchasing these feeds, it might be a little harder to get those contracted. So anytime you can start thinking ahead and getting those contracts in place or even hauled out, think about storage, how you're going to store these products if you get it bought now and it needs delivered now, that can help you in the long run to help you get through the winter if you do end up short of forage. And anytime you think about another feed, I always encourage people to look at the price per pound of protein or price per pound of energy or TDN that that product's going to cost you. And you can use a online tool or a spreadsheet tool such as the feed cost calculator put out by the University of Nebraska that can help you compare the different feeds on the costs. And it includes the, all the costs, what it costs you to buy it per ton and hauling costs, storage costs, waste, waste when you're hauling that, waste when you're feeding it, waste when you're storing it, and what the feeding expense is to really give you a good comparison of the different feeds that you're considering of purchasing. 
one of the other options that folks might consider is there's going to be situations where the hay meadow was too wet to get into this summer, but they might be able to get out onto it later this fall and winter, especially after the ground freezes and utilize the forage there. And again, that's a little different, but a use of some temporary electric fence and strip grazing can stretch some of the forage that's available on those meadows once it dries out a little bit or freezes and might provide a scenario where those meadows can be grazed and still get some use out of that forage, even though we might not get into a hay bale. Yes. The other thing is we'll see how the rest of our summer goes. Maybe some of those hay meadows will start drying up a little bit and the guy could get out there and cut a little hay if he needs to, but you have to remember that grass that you're going to be cutting is more mature, so it's going to be lower in quality than what your usual typical prairie hay, meadow hay is going to be. So you need to consider that also. And yes, once once it freezes or dries up out there this fall, you can go out there and graze that, and that, that can be an option for you too. So with the value of this hay that potentially will be in Nebraska as we look at a possible short crop, figuring out ways to utilize it very effectively and efficiently is going to be important. Share with us some perspective on some strategies maybe to make sure you're minimizing waste and and storage loss to capture all you can from the hay you harvest. Yeah, exactly. Anytime you put that hay in a bale or a stack, we're going to have some weathering unless we get that hay under cover some way. And for the most part, most people aren't going to be able to get their hay covered. Most of us don't. So we need to store that hay that's going to minimize any nutrient loss or dry matter loss. So I always encourage people to make it the bales as dense as they can, and you're going to have less sag with that dense bale. So there's less surface area area touching the ground, wicking up water. Also, if you're when you're baling, net wrap tends to also help shed water more than just the, the string on your bales. And if you can store your hay on a site that's elevated and well-drained to keep it out of any moisture or water rising up from the soil, it's going to help minimize any nutrient loss. And when you do store your bales, we encourage you to not stack them. Stacking them tends to cause more nutrient loss. If you can just line them up end to end, kind of orient with the prevailing winds, that allows the snow to blow past the bales instead of piling up in them and over them. And if you have more than one line of bales, we encourage you to have them at least three feet apart. Farther than three feet apart is actually better because that's going to increase the airflow between the bales and allow the sun to get in there to dry out those bales for any moisture that's in there. Also, once we've stored them well, when it comes time to feed them, we need to think about ways to feed our animals that's going to minimize any waste. And the different types of hay feeders can affect how much waste that you have out there. So those are things that you need to think about, not only minimizing waste as we store it, but also as we feed it. Another option to stretch hay supplies is to utilize an ionophore. And ionophores need to be really delivered every day to a cow herd. And so that can be a tool that if you're using something like a daily protein supplement or even a little daily energy supplement, Providing that ionophore can increase the efficiency at which we get from the feed, the nutrients from that feed, and so can actually reduce the amount of hay fed by about 10% and not negatively impact performance. And so ionophores are another opportunity to potentially stretch limited hay resources. 
Yes, and so that that is another option we can use. Anything we can to increase that efficiency and get the same amount of gain on our animals with the smaller amount of forage is going to benefit us. Another thing we could do is consider limit feeding our cows. Of course, that's when we're feeding them a diet containing ingredients that are energy and protein dense, and they're meeting the animals or cows requirements. But the cow is actually probably still hungry because we're not feeding her all she can eat. And this is another time when using that ion fork can be beneficial also. And usually when we do a type of limit feeding, we feed that with a low quality forage with that some type of usually distillers grains is what we've used here in Nebraska to stretch that limited forage supply. But you, you know, you can also use corn and supplement with that also to get that limit feeding. And when you limit feed, you do want to make sure you have enough bunk space for your cows out there because they're, when they come to eat, they're going to be hungry and they're going to eat. Yeah, for folks who are considering that as an option, would encourage them to visit the beef.unl.edu website. Quite a few articles and resources there on limit feeding and some good information if folks are considering doing that. Also some sample rations they can look at. One of the other important things I think is going to be paramount this year is testing your hay, especially for hay that's put up later than normal or harvesting hay in a situation where it's going to be maybe different than you normally would knowing the quality you have is really going to be important as you think about feeding the cows through the fall and winter, knowing that you're meeting their requirements and also knowing what might you need to purchase or go out and find to complement that hay. As we look at hay that's already been put up this year, and you kind of alluded to that earlier, is we've had alfalfa down and it's been rained on once, if not more than once. So we're even with our alfalfa, we're going to have to test that. Then with our Meadow hay, prairie haze, if it's getting put up later, we just need to test that to know what we're feeding. Because if we don't know what we're feeding, we don't know if we're feeding too much or not enough. And in a year with limited forage, we don't want to be feeding, overfeeding or feeding too much. We want to be able to meet that cow's requirements and get through the winter with what forages we have. Troy, any other thoughts you have in dealing with the short hay supply as we point towards wrapping this up? I just want producers to be thinking ahead. Of course, we're in July right now. We do not know what the fall is going to bring. We don't know when we'll get our first frost. We don't know what our winter is going to be looking like, but I guess we need to be thinking ahead and not put ourselves in a position where we don't have enough forage on the ranch. Thanks for joining me today, Troy. For more information on the article titled Planning for Potentially Short Hay Inventory on the Ranch, please see the July issue of the Beef Watch newsletter. That can be found at the beef.unl.edu website. At the website, you can also find additional resources and information on many of the topics we talked about today.